and he will be speaking his title, the title of his sermon is From Overwhelmed to In Control. From Overwhelmed to In Control. So let's just hope that that's how we leave this morning, that we're uh, in control, but it, with the Holy Spirit that is filling us, that is controlling us. Um, a couple of notices, most of them will be on the new sheet that you received as you came in. Um, but one of them is, um, I want to sort of reinforce, it's from Becky Papworth to say that she's going to Ruth Sutcliffe's funeral this coming Tuesday, the day after tomorrow, that if anybody would like a lift, she's more than welcome to, to do that. And if you've got any cards, I, know, I think there's a card out there for us all to sign, but if you have one of your own that you would like Becky to, to, to take, please leave it on the desk there and she will come in tomorrow, pick it up and take it with her on Tuesday. Um, the other thing that I'd like to remind you about is uh, what's coming up this coming week? What's happening on Wednesday? It's, it's pan Wednesday. Tuesday's pancake day. <laughs> Wednesday, first uh, day of Lent. And it's also Valentine's Day. So if you're giving up chocolate for, Valent for, uh, for Lent, that's a bit, of a, yeah, a bit of an awkward one, isn't it? However, in all seriousness, there is a lovely booklet that um, we can make a donation of £2 to. And it's called All We Can, so it's a Lent study. So I'm sure you can do it um, at home on your own. You can do it in your small groups. You can do it in pairs. But um, there's some really lovely thoughts there to take us through the Lent series, through the Lent um, season. Um, have I got anything else to mention? No. Has anybody else got any notices they'd like to share? Okay, so... We're going to come to a Marmite moment now. You love it or you hate it. You're going to greet one another. You're going to say hello. So let's start by, just for a minute, just saying hello maybe to the person next to you, the people behind you, because we're going to worship together. It'd be nice if we do it together. <laughs> If you'd like to take your seats and we'll begin our worship. Oh, hello. <laughs> It'll be back by the time we... So, Psalm 66, verses 1 to 4, reads, Shout with joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. 
So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing praise to your name. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to sing. We're going to stand and sing. We've got three songs. And if you feel that all three songs is a bit long to be standing, fine. Please keep, you know, in your seat. That's absolutely fine. And if you would like to give some praise, if you want to pray between the songs, I'll lead a little bit, just a few words or something like that. Just call them out in praise to the Lord this morning. So let's stand.
your church, we are your people and we have come to worship you today, young and old, those that have got heavy hearts, those that are, are joyful, Lord, but you hear and you know every single one of us. We praise you, we praise you this morning, Lord. Thank you. 
thank you for the hope that you bring to us today, that you've brought to us this week, and we can look forward to the hope that you will be bringing us. Amen. Please be seated. We're going to come to um, a time of prayer now. Um, forgive me, I'm using my phone this morning. I couldn't uh, print off my um, order of service, so if I stumble a little bit, I'm really sorry. So let's bow our heads and pray to the Lord. Let's pray for our world to start with. And we just give thanks, Lord, for the miracle that we've seen this week in the opening ceremony of the Olympics when the South and the North Koreans joined together for that opening ceremony. That was a real miracle, Lord, and we give praise and thanks to you for that. And we just pray for um, other nations like that where people are living under a regime of division, of callous, callous leadership, and threats caused by those who put their needs first. May they hear these words from Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Father, we pray this morning for the Sutcliffe family and our hearts are, are aching and so sad to hear of the death of, of Ruth Sutcliffe a couple of weeks ago. We ask that you will be their comfort at this time. There will be times um, in the near and medium future, Lord, when they're going to need you as well, Lord. We thank you for their faith in you. And we just pray, Lord, that they will, they will come to you, that they will rest in you and find comfort. We pray for the funeral on Tuesday, Lord. Don't really know what words to say, Lord, but we pray, Lord, that you will be with every single person at that funeral and that you will, you will meet their needs. So I'd like you now to pray for the person next to you. You don't have to pray out loud. If you want to pray out loud, that's absolutely fine, but we, every single one of us here this morning has a need. And so just pray, just for 30 seconds, for the person, the people next to you. Father, we look to you in our search for children, children's and youth worker. And Lord, we just pray that um, you will go ahead of the search, that you will go ahead of us, that you will give discernment to those that need it, that you will prompt the person that you want here to, to come forward, to apply if um, he or she hasn't done so already. We pray for Ian and the church leadership team, Lord, in the work that they do. And we just give thanks for all of them for giving time and energy. And again, we pray for discernment and wisdom and guidance for them. 
And Lord, we pray for people that we um, are aware of who um, aren't able to be here today for one reason or another. We pray for Jonathan Wright. He's been poorly for a long time now and um, heard from him yesterday to say that uh, he thought he was on the mend, but uh, it seems to be um, that that's going in a different direction. So we pray for him, Lord, that he will really rest in you, that you will bring healing to him. And let's just have a time where you just call out somebody's name. You don't have to give a reason why you're praying. Just call out somebody's name that you would like the Lord to, to touch this morning. Father, we thank you that you hear our prayers, whether they're loud or whether they're silent. We lift our prayers to our friend, our saviour, Jesus Christ, this morning. Amen. Right, so in just a moment, we're going to be um, taking our tin collection. Um, and as you came in this morning, you may have been given a penny or a 2p or something. I don't know, a little coin. Who doesn't have one? You've all, you haven't been given one? We'll get you one. We'll get you one, Anthea. <laughs> okay. And the reason that, uh, that I've done this is I want us to, for us to think of this as a symbol of God's provision, his outrageous provision, his generosity to us every day. And in a moment, we're going to take a collection for some people, well, mainly children actually, but a lot of children in other parts of the world where we help them with um, education and uh, schooling and things like that and health. And we also support some adult learners at Mechanics for Africa. And we also support agencies who help areas that have been um, affected by disaster. And so what you, the reason you've been given a penny is, if you want to, you can put it into the tin that comes around with your usual offering. Or what I would prefer you to do is to keep hold of that penny. It's only a penny. However, it is a symbol of that outrageous generosity that God pours out to us. Sometimes he gives us things, not for us to keep, but to equip us to empower us to do his work. So think of that as a symbol as, as it comes round. The other reason, I'm sure Nick Morgan would not like to have to count up all the pennies that come in the tins. And uh, while, while we do that, we're going to sing, the earth is the Lord and every, Lord's and everything in it. So can I just have a couple of people that would be willing to, to take the, the tins around, please?
We thank you for what you do provide on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. And we are just so privileged to be able to give back something that you've given us to further your work. And so we pray, Lord, that the money that we have um, given back to you this morning will help glorify you in the lives of uh, those people to whom it reaches. Amen. Okay, please be seated. So... um, Fred is going to come up and read our first reading this morning. Here he comes. me out Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through a man named Zacchaeus Zacchaeus he was chief tax collector and wealthy he wanted to see who Jesus was but being a short man he could not because of the crowd so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, sycamore fig tree, to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All of the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the God of man, the Son of Man, came to seek and to save what was lost. One Timothy chapter six, verses six to ten and seventeen to nineteen. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced <coughs> themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Amen. Good morning, shall we pray? Lord, we just pray that we may learn from you this morning. We want your Holy Spirit to guide and instruct us. Lord, we want to know your presence with us and help us in all that we do to worship you. Amen. Right, so um, the title I was given by Ian when he asked me to preach this morning was From Overwhelm to In Control. It comes from a book for where we've, Ian's been doing a few other talks. You may have remembered we talked about uh, priorities, finding time with God and calendar. Last time he, I think he spoke about work and the importance of work, um, whatever we do. And today, from the two readings I'm going to talk about, Money! <laughs> well, when was the last time you heard a sermon about money? You see, I've been here nearly three years now, and I don't think I've heard a sermon about money before. <laughs> Bit of a surprise, really, because um, if you look in the Bible, 15% of Jesus' words were about money. 16 out of his 38 parables were about how to handle money and possessions. And the Bible contains more verses about money... And it does about faith and prayer. So we're going to learn a bit about God's order when it comes to money. And the presentation this morning will not include many words, uh, my words maybe, but the pictures are just pictures because a picture tells a thousand words. So how are you, are you overwhelmed? Are you like this? Um... <laughs> Maybe you're overwhelmed at work, at home, too many things to do. Well, I used to be a debt advisor for 14 years before I uh, came here. I'm still a trustee of the debt advice charity I work for. And one of the things we found is when a client comes in with debt problems, they tend to come in with a bag. And it's just full of stuff, papers, disorganised, and they're Symptoms you tend to find are that people don't want to open the envelopes, might be a debt collector. They don't want to answer the phone, might be a debt collector. <laughs> they do all sorts of things. And uh, they can be very well overwhelmed. Some people even take their own lives because they're in debt, which is horrifying, really, because help is available, as it says there. Help! Well, help is available free, and if you need any help on debt, do see me. <laughs> but... Uh, 
You know, the problem is people max out their cards. They struggle to make the uh, minimum payment each month. And uh, people often think, well, can't they manage their money properly? I manage mine all right. Well, often we find that it's because something hits them that they didn't expect. A loss of a job. A death in the family. Some life event often hits people, and they just haven't got the resources to cope with it. And they end up in debt. But I think you can also be overwhelmed in another sense. So if you're not in debt, which I hope nobody here is, but if you are, do come to me and I can point you in the right direction. If you're not in debt, you may have the other problem. You're so um, busy with keeping your savings and your investments ticking over, watching the stock market, it's 5% this week. I don't know whether that's affected you or not. <laughs> um, but these things happen, and so it goes on. We can be sort of surrounded by it, and we've actually just read that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Our whole society is permeated by get more, you need more. You need this new gadget. It will make you happier. We know it's a lie, but that's what people are sold by the advertisers. And I think it's very careful that sometimes, do we go along with the world? Do we follow, you know, do we get the next thing? Do we get the next gadget? You know, do we buy the new £1,000 iPhone 10? I don't know. You may want to, but whatever, we sort of tend to get squeezed into that world's mould of more and more and worrying about money. Well, I want us to get from that state of being overwhelmed to being in control. Now, the best analogy I could pick this morning was driving a car. Do you remember the first time you got in a car and you go, clutch, yes, I know all the theory, yeah, did this, and you go, <laughs> the, the kangaroos start up the road for the first time. And you need a driving instructor beside you, don't you? You have to have one of those, yeah? And they teach you it, and you have to read the highway code, and these days you have to pass a theory test. And eventually, over time, you get used to the controls, interpreting the signs on the road, and it's quite frightening, isn't it? Have you driven down the road, and you get to sort of um, leave Godalming, and then you say, oh, how did I get to Martington? Now, where, where have I been? What roundabouts did I go around? It's almost automatic. You sort of end up somewhere because you've got to that point of sort of being automatically in control. I don't think we should be in control in the, quite the same way, but I think it's a picture of how we learn to handle money God's way. Because we have to learn the theory. I'm going to teach you a few, read a few more scriptures. There's the word of God. But we need to put it into practice. And we need the instructor of the Holy Spirit to remind us of the truth, to convict us of where we're going wrong. And if we do that, we will gradually get more capable with handling our money in God's order and not how we just take our own fancy. There is a big difference, though. When you pass your test, you get rid of the L face, don't you? Well, that's how we are. We always have the L plates up, I'm afraid, guys, because we're called to be disciples, learners. From the beginning of your life to the end of life, we're all learning how to do this life with God, how to follow God every moment of every day. And so the sort of control I want is the Holy Spirit is your driving instructor, sitting alongside you, with you, every moment of every day, prompting you, 
to use your money in the right sort of way. I want to go through quickly, hopefully, five brief principles. But before that, I just want us to point back to that first reading, the first reading about Zacchaeus. What an incredible story. He climbs up a tree. A tax collector climbing up a tree. Anyway, he gets down. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. And he goes to his house. What a transformation. This guy who was cheating his way to getting wealthier and wealthier and wealthier says, I'm now following Jesus. And so the way I see my money now is I've got to give half my possessions to the poor. I've got to repay these people I've cheated, not just the money back I cheated, but four times. What an incredible, generous guy. Because of the change of his heart that Jesus has made and Jesus had called him and drawn alongside him. I wonder whether our change to our bank accounts and savings has happened the same sort of way in our lives. Just a question. The, the five principles are quite simple. We just sung it, didn't we? What did we sing just now, David? Uh, the earth is the Lord's. <laughs> <laughs> the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You see, the, the problem we often have is we think our money is our money. After all, didn't I earn it? Didn't I save it? Didn't I make provision? All that hard work through your life. But it's not. He gave you your talents. He gave you your abilities. He gives you life every day, every moment. Every breath of your life is counted and comes from God. He is the great, generous God. And he has given you everything you've got, whether it's a house, a car, food, clothing. He meets our needs as we seek his kingdom and his righteousness. Yeah? So everything we have comes from God. Because we've basically, we came in a bit like that. We've brought nothing into the world. And we take nothing out. Everybody leaves the same amount in their will. It's called everything. <laughs> There's a danger when we have this uh, attitude of thinking it's our money that we can get quite possessive about it and quite selfish. Um, and we don't want to be like that. We want to be more generous. And it says in uh, 1 Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world, we just read it, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that wonderful? God's graciousness to us, God's goodness, provides us everything for our enjoyment. So what is our role if it's not our money? And it's God's. It's not our house, it's God's. Well, we're stewards. And we're stewards of the earth. So we need to look after the earth. Do you buy fair trade bananas? Do you buy fair trade coffee? You can make small efforts. Do you avoid buying clothes from these places where they must be ripping off the poor or something rotten? Do you make a mark on that? You can make small efforts. We can't save it. God's in charge of the whole world. But we can look after it. We've heard earlier in another sermon from Ian, use your time wisely. Everybody has the same 24 hours, don't they? But you use it differently. Some people... Put those priorities in. Time with God. Time with family. 
Yeah? Far more important than spending the extra 10 hours at the office, isn't it? Because I'm afraid if you keel over at the office, they'll find somebody else. But your family will miss you something dreadfully if you haven't put time in with them. And then, of course, possessions. It starts in this day and age, probably, with the mobile phone, doesn't it? They get to a certain age, I must have my mobile phone. And then you uh, might buy your first car. And then you get a bigger job and you might buy a house. And then the house has a garden, so you need a lawnmower. And so it goes on. And God's desire for us is when we're thinking about these things, they're God's for us to share. They're not ours to hold on to. So practice hospitality in your house. Use your car to give lifts when people need them. Yeah? I don't really share your mobile phone, but anyway, you know the idea. <laughs> and of course, we need to also use our money wisely. Of course, these days, in this day and age, we uh, tend to uh, use the plastic stuff or Apple Pay or Samsung Pay or whatever pay you do. Uh, use it wisely to bless others, not just to meet your own needs. So let's go on to the second point. First point is, it's God's, not ours. There was a problem when you look at your, your bank statement, it's got a balance on it, hasn't it? Yeah? In, out, balance. And Mr. McCorber in David Copperfield had a very important statement to make to Charles Dickens. He put into his mouth, annual income, 20 pounds, expenditure, 19 pounds, 19 shillings, and sixpence. Result, happiness. Income, annual income, 20 pounds. Expenditure, 20 pounds and sixpence. Result, misery. Simple really, isn't it? In handling money, the title I've got here is two things really. Living joyfully under God's current provision. Yeah? So whatever God's given you, whatever level he's given you, and we know from the parable of talents, he gives things to different people, different amounts. Whatever he's given you, yeah? Live within that provision. Don't spend more than you've got coming in. And you'll find your life a lot happier than if you go the other way. Start putting the credit card in the place where the gap is and the credit card grows and you hinder the problems. So live joyfully because the Lord promises to meet our needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. In the New Testament, in Philippians, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You've got a God who is meeting all your needs and all generous. So live within whatever he's given you. So not only does your provision depend from one family to another family, but from the beginning of your life to the end of your life, your provision will go up and down. You'll get a time when you lose your job. You might get a promotion and your income soars up. 
You might retire and your income goes down. <laughs> it will vary throughout life. And we need to you know, live joyfully whatever the state of our income. Live joyfully within the provision that God's given us. You see, Paul says, I have learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yeah? Isn't it fantastic that God's provision is there for us? Learn that secret of contentment. One of the lovely ladies we had in our last church before we came here, she died several years ago. She had a really rough life. She never had many material possessions, but boy, was she content. And we've read godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Yeah? Live in contentment. Live within God's current provision. Well, I'm afraid we're into the tricky bit now, aren't we? Because the third point is we've got to honour God with our giving. This is a nice quote I found. We make a living by what we get. But we make a life by what we give. In Acts, Paul says, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so any talk in giving would not be that, uh, a talk about giving for two, a couple of minutes or so if we didn't mention tithing. Oh dear. Tithing. 10%. Yeah, yeah. 10% your income, give that. Well, some people say... It's biblical. You should do it. Other people say, it's part of the Mosaic law. Well, I'm not under law. I'm under grace. God has set me free from the law. So what do you do? Well, I think if you're starting to talk about tithing in 10%, it all gets very mechanical. It all gets very sort of... Uh, it, does get, it gets horribly sort of hard and, you know... We're not, we're not following rules. We're in a love relationship with our God who has generously provided to us. That's what we are in. So we don't think, oh, well, I've got my money. He can have 10%, can't he? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. It's not about that. And I'm just going to ignore that virtually because if you want to know about tithing, all I will tell you is that tithing happened. Abraham tithed before the law. Jacob tithed before the law. And when it talks about Malachi, which is where everybody goes, says, don't rob God. It talks about tithes and offerings. So if you think about 10%, well, maybe it's a minimum, I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how much to give. God needs to tell you how much to give. But you do have to give this way. I think she's quite happy. She's throwing her dollars around. I'm sorry they're American illustrations, but that's the way life is on the internet. <laughs> but, you know... You need to give generously because we have a generous God who's laid down his life for us. Yeah? That's how much he gave. 
Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Yeah? Rich generosity. That's how we should think about our giving. Let's be richly generous. So how what is generous? Is £50 more, than ten, more generous than £10? Answer? Not necessarily, but someone to say yes, Joe? No, no, all right, okay. Is £500 more generous than £100? Well, there's a story, isn't there, which puts Jesus, puts a little bit of a twist on it, a bit of a challenge. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, just as Brian is standing beside the place where you can put more offering in as you leave. <laughs> and he's having a look. God's having a look. Jesus is having a look. And many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow, get your penny out, a poor widow came along with two small coins, didn't she? Two pence. And she put that in. And calling to his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything all she had to live on. So generosity is not about an absolute figure. We are all given different amounts in the first place. It's again, as I said, it's between you and God how much you give. But they, Jesus really likes the sacrificial giving, the giving that says... I can't really give this, but I love God so much. I'll give, it to, give him my all. John Wesley said about giving, it's not how much of my money will I give to God, but how much of God's money will I keep for myself. Yeah? Second point. I don't really like grass or not, but that's your life, and that's your income. Okay? Life income. And your income might go like that. Again, it might go up and down, as we know, throughout your life. Paul was making a collection for the Jerusalem churches, and he said to the Corinthians, here we go. Now, about the collection of the, for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, every one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so when it comes to no collections will have to be made. In other words, he's saying, make preparation. Don't just throw things in. It's in proportion to your income is the sort of amount of money I'm looking for to do it. Now, some people, Christian people down the ages, have done something really incredible. Jung Lang, one of the construction guy years ago, he set himself a target and when, it, when his living expenses got to a certain level, he stopped putting any more money in living expenses. And he put more in saving and more in giving. And more in giving and more in giving and more in giving. And when he, his will came out, he'd given it all away. <laughs> he had £317 in his will, apparently. Okay. And finally, 
Give cheerfully, please. Can we all have a laugh as we give? <laughs> yeah. Because probably most of you know, it's probably many preachers have said this. When it says give cheerfully, the word is hilaros, which comes from hilarious. Give hilariously. Gay abandon. Yeah, here we are, God. We gave you everything. I'm going to give you it back. Yeah. Give it hilariously. In fact, Nick wouldn't like me saying this, but I actually reckon if you are under compulsion, it says each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're giving reluctantly, you're not willingly giving. If you feel compelled to give, and I'm not compelling anybody to give this morning, but if you did feel compelled to give, yeah, I'd say go home. Don't give anything. Sorry, Nick, if you're listening to this any time, but don't give anything because your heart's not in the right place. And God doesn't look at the outside how much you've given or I'll give a bit because it's my duty to give. He looks at your heart your heart relationship with him. And he says, just give out of your heart cheerfully, hilariously. Okay, only two quick points to make. And the last one, last but one is the piggy bank. It's always wise to put aside something for emergencies, isn't it? I, anybody not done it in this room tried to put something aside for emergencies? No? It's good, isn't it? Because when the washing machine breaks down, you've got something. When the MOT comes round once a year, you've got something. In debt advice, one of the things we have to do is do a financial statement, a, a budget for people. Yeah? And it's surprising, isn't it, that Christmas, they always complain about Christmas. The busiest time for debt people is just after Christmas. In fact, it's this month. Because Christmas happens, the credit card bill arrives in January, and February, it's, ah, it's due for payment. And I've spent too much. Yeah? And so you need to make provision. Sensible provision. <coughs> Maybe you've made provision for your later years through your life. And you're enjoying that now. Great. You've made some provision. But I also think for the Christian, there's another provision. And it's in that passage I just read from Corinthians. That Paul went round and said... At the beginning of the week, put aside, so when I come round for collections, you've got some money. Now, David could have given this talk this morning, but Ian asked me, because David's always up here saying, MFA needs Christmas appeal. <laughs> yeah? But whatever. We can always give, can't we, if we've got some resources to give. And I think if we save, there are places where God prompts us and said, right, use some of those savings. Give it for this need. Yeah? However, there is one sort of caveat, one sort of warning. Because although I recommend sensible provision saving for the future, there's a story in the Bible that Jesus told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yields an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear my barns down and build bigger pounds. I'll have a bigger piggy bank. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up. 
for many years. Take life easy. Treat, drink, be merry. God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So finally, you've got the clues now. We're on the last point, and it's this. It's catchphrase, right? You know catchphrase on the television? Yeah? Say what you see. Anybody have a go? Sorry? Earpiece. Oh, bit of a letdown. <laughs> Anybody else? In one ear, out the other. Well, there's, no, there's only one ear. Yeah. No, anybody else with better chance? Listen to the Holy Spirit. Ah, see, got, got a good wife. <laughs> <laughs> the final point, as we think about our money, is live each day with an open ear to hear from God how He wants to use the resources you've got. Yeah, just tune in to God. Because we walk day by day with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord. One of the greatest blessings that we can have is to be the answer for someone's needs or prayers. It's more blessed to give than receive. We're part of a Christian family around the world. We share with the people in, Z- in Zambia in MFA. Praise the Lord, we do that. Yeah? Isn't that thrilling? Yeah? But there are people around the world. Do you know today over 20,000 children are going to die of poverty? Doesn't that make us cry? Doesn't it make us weep? I wonder what our response to that can be. If we're truly open to the work of the Holy Spirit, we'll not just sing, I surrender all. And I've sung it, you've sung it, I'm sure. I surrender all. But are we prepared to go that far? Just going to end with a story. Bill Hybels, the pastor of Willow Creek, um, he went to a coffee shop to prepare a sermon. And the waiter was very busy serving him and other people and she got a phone call. And she took the phone call and she got rather tearful and quite emotional. And Bill Hyber said, he heard God say to him, use a bit of paper you're preparing your sermon on and write her an encouraging note. Oh, and by the way, give her a breathtaking tip. Now, you know America, of course, is a country where you have to tip 10 or 50% anyway. He'd had a coffee and a sandwich, so maybe that came to $20, let's be, or whatever. So $25, yeah, that would have been sort of the normal tip. So you have a discussion with God here then, don't you? Bill Hybel says, well, what is breathtaking? Is it $50? Is it $60? In the end, God said, stick a $100 bill in the note and give it to her. He went back a few weeks later and the waiter served him again and she gave him a note. He says, read this later. This is what the note said. You will never know what your note and gift last month meant to me. That morning, my husband served me with divorce papers. He controls all our money. He took all our money and our only car. That day was one of the worst days of my life. 
Then I found your note and your financial gift. It just reminded me that God is faithful and will take care of me. How are you going to use your money? Well, let's hopefully you realise that it's God's. Let's hope that you live so that your expenditure doesn't exceed your income. You live joyfully and happily within God's provision. You are content. Give generously. Give cheerfully. Give in proportion to your income. Make sensible provision. Do some saving if you can. But always listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Lord. It's all his. It's at his disposal. And so listen to him and obey his promptings. Because if your hands are your money well, do you know that twice in the Bible it says, or it almost says, if you can handle the money here well, then you can handle true riches when you get to heaven. <laughs> so it's sort of like a little test how well we do with it. And do you not want to hear what the person with the five and the ten talents had? You see, the ones that actually used the talent that God gave them, and talent was a sum of money, guys. Come on, this is several years' wages. Yeah? We're not just talking about talents to play a piano, <laughs> which is good. And Thank you, Martin. <laughs> but we're talking about all our talents, and we're talking about money. The response that Jesus said is, well done. Do you want to hear that when you get to hear God? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen. Thank you, Brian. We're going to um, come to our time of communion now. We're going to share communion with one another. So I'm going to ask um, Veronica and John if they'd like to pop up and help. That'd be wonderful. So what are we doing when we come together to receive communion? Well, we do, it's three things. Firstly, we come to remember. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him, to remember his broken body, his shed blood, symbolized in bread and wine. When we were dead in our transgressions and sins, God steps in. He takes the deadness and destruction, which is inevitable for our sin-stained lives. Secondly, we come to receive. The Apostle Paul says, as we receive bread and wine, we participate in the body and blood of Christ. There's a mystery to this, but there's a sense in which God 
feeds our lives as we receive the bread and wine. And thirdly, we unite as one body in Christ. The Apostle Paul also says, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. So before we take the elements, before I read some more, let's just have a short time, a prayer of confession. So um, I'll just leave you to pray quietly uh, within your hearts to the Lord, offering anything to him that has, you think might be displeasing to him. While they were eating, Jesus took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So we're going to... Um, distribute the bread now and you can please eat it as it comes your way.
So we share together the symbol, the wine, symbolizing Jesus' blood shed for us. Amen. Thank you. We're coming to the end of our service now. We've got one more song to sing. Um, At the end of the service, if you would like somebody to pray with or for you, please come to the front and a couple of members, in fact it's Veronica and John today, (laughs) from the prayer ministry team would love to to pray with or for you. Um, Otherwise, let's keep this room quiet for those that would just like some some peace and quiet, perhaps some time with God on their own. And uh, we'd love to share tea, coffee, refreshments with you in the hall. So let's stand for our final song.
good be rich in good deeds be generous and willing to share that way we shall we shall lay up treasure for ourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that we may take hold of the life that is truly life amen